What did everybody do for New Year's? Families hang out stuff. When you have a two-year-old, it's not, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. You get to celebrate uh, the ball dropping by watching one of those like two-minute pre-recorded things on Netflix mm. at like seven o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't do anything, but in um, Louisiana, they love the fireworks on mm-hmm. New Year's. So it was just hours and hours of fireworks, which is fun, but my dog doesn't appreciate yeah, them. Nice. So the dog was like on my on my head as I tried to tried to sleep. So pretty low key for us. Well, I guess I did the exciting thing that I was at Disney. It was at the magic kingdom. Yeah. That's fun. In front of the castle with my four kids and uh, like 2 million of my other friends. It was, I've never been anywhere, not even like concerts or mosh pits that had that many people in such a small space. Normally they try to like keep you off the walkways so people, and they just gave up entirely. The workers just like, yeah, no one's moving. But Was it enjoyable? The, like that doesn't sound fun. Uh, so the day <laughs> before me. we had stayed maybe too late in a park and had to wait like two hours in traffic to get back, mm-hmm. you know, three minutes to our hotel. Because we had a car since we had to drive down there due to Southwest canceling. So the whole time I'm thinking, and, and my wife kind of the same like, we should get the heck out of here because you're not even going to be able to like, just forget it. So we're kind of like walking slowly backwards as the fireworks and the countdown is going on. And then I'm also holding up my phone, trying to watch the Ohio state Buckeyes lose their Mm -hmm. game against Georgia, which that happened like the second before uh, the clock struck midnight. And I'm also trying to hold the hand of my eight year old. So he doesn't get lost in the 2 million people. So it was eventful. I don't know if I would say that was enjoy. It was memorable, eventful, memorable. exciting, enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's more enjoyable parts to that trip for sure. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's good. And now I we've already covered. I think on the last episode, my I'm starting to calm down now. It's it's January 12th. I realized you know the world didn't hit a race on everything that's happened before, and I don't have to make 200 new blog posts in a week. So mm-hmm. that feels good. Man, yeah, we're almost halfway through the month. That's crazy. I, I joked in a meeting today. Oh. I was like, I'm not saying Happy New Year anymore. So uh, hello, because I was like, by the time I was like, I, I give it to, I give it to about the seventh. After the first week, it's like the New Year's. It's gone in my books, and we're like just on to what we need to be doing. And I guess to give some value to this cold open, builders generally speaking are not overreacting to the start of the new year. Mm-hmm. Good, good yeah. or bad. They're, yeah. they're kind of waiting and, and seeing, which has been, I'm kind of proud of everybody that they haven't overreacted mm-hmm. for the most part, either way. Oh. Yep, I agree. All right, let's get started. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 257. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me today is Jackie Lipinski and Julie Jarnigan. Hello. Hello. Glad to, glad to be here. I feel like it's been so long since I've been on a podcast. I, w- I had like his throat for weeks, so mm-hmm. I have to keep stepping out. I feel like it's been a long time too, and it hasn't, but so if if it has been, then I'm sure it feels like it. (laughs) All right, let's get right into story time. Every year I'm like, should we get rid of story time? And every year masses speak and say, don't you dare. It's funny. (laughs) Yeah. There's certain people who are like, I skip it every time. And other people who are like, it really makes me feel valuable. Like that's, they're like, I like the timestamps. Thank you so much for doing timestamps. I think it all depends on what Sometimes the- that just means you're new here. When the, the, you know, those of us who've been around a while, you, you relish story time, but yeah. new folks are like, I, I came here for the, yeah, the, AD, the ADD uh, listeners who are fast forwarding this at 1.5. So, yep. yep. All right, Julie, you got anything for us? Yeah. So we have a pool that was built in the nineties. So it's always, there's always something wrong with it. So we came home from Christmas and it was so loud, like the pull pump, the motor that I had to text my neighbor and apologize. Like, I'm sorry. It's ter- It's so loud. So we needed a new pull pump, which is not cheap. 
And so I texted the guy who does that for us. And he said, well, you could do this one or this other one's a lot more expensive, whatever. And y'all know me, I am known for being cheap. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, we'll probably go with the cheaper one, but like, will I save money on my electric bill if I use that one? Will it last longer? Will I not have to replace it for longer? He never responded. And then his guy just showed up to change it. And he was like, I'm sending him with the cheaper one. And then at that point, I was like, well, now maybe did I want the more expensive one? So I think too, builders are also going to be in the same place where we're going to have to go back to showing value and explaining like, you know, as, as existing home prices go down and we maybe can't go down in price as much as maybe they do. I'm actually showing people benefits and what things cost over the long term are the conversations we're going to have to go back to again. And I don't know if he just didn't want to mess with it or if he just assumed that that would be the deciding factor for me or whatever. I felt kind of ripped off by not getting that conversation. So I think we're going to have to get comfortable again with having those conversations. Yeah, I think that's right on the money. Even something that doesn't necessarily seem like a benefit at the time is a benefit. So it's pretty common. That's why the warranty department exists in home building companies that the things don't work and you have to come back and get them fixed. And you've all heard the story that, you know, we've been here for a year and a month and we just got some crown molding added to our kitchen and, and touched up so that it doesn't look like a carpenter just threw it up there. It's been a year and a half. But on the other hand, it hit me because we had a 12 contractors show up yesterday and, and kind of knock out almost everything. We got like two smallish things left that I can't imagine moving into an existing home and having that same list and have to quarterback it all yourself. Like it's one, mm -hmm. and that's what I mean. Like in the middle of it, we're complaining. Like, I can't believe these 10 people are here and it's causing so much chaos and they have all these questions or what, but they all showed up and I didn't schedule them <laughs> like they, yeah. and I'm not going to pay their bill. So just even that, you know, you don't, you don't have to pretend like it's all going to be perfect. It's just all going to be organized for you. My house is a 1977 model, I'll say. And there's blue tape because that I used to work for a builder, right? So there's blue tape all over my house of the things I want to do. But looking at that, at that, I have to do that. Like they're small enough where I can't hire someone out. And they're annoying enough where I have to mark them with blue tape to get them done. And now I think in the future, now that I've I'm very comfortable with new construction. You know, you do see the benefits and you do see the cost savings and you do see the headacheless, ideally like adventure you go on when you buy a new house versus my brother's pipe exploded. I think like your pipes froze when, the other week, Kevin, when it got, um, got too cold, but they're just like different expectations of a new house and a used house and just understanding the, um, there's more value in a new construction house most times. Yeah. I love it. Jackie, what about you? I have been playing way too much with Jasper AI and Chat GPT this week. Um, I had a builder who doesn't have a large marketing team. And I would say their home descriptions of move-in ready homes were were very basic. You know, here's the square footage, here's the room, here's what you you're gonna get. Very choppy. That's okay. That's be understood. But also that was, I feel like a copy you can get away with in 2020. And so when you have a move-in ready home, you want to, I think, build a feeling of what it's going to be and, and, and kind of create a more romantic home description and have people fall in love with it. And I didn't feel like that description was good enough for, I think, a move-in ready home. So I, I put the description in Jasper AI and I asked it to recreate the description. And it actually created like a creative writer worked on it in five seconds and it rewrote the description. I did send it to the builder. And now they're going to play with that as teams might get smaller or, you know, I think as we have to move on to marketing individual home listings, we have to pay attention to those details that might take a listing above and beyond. And sometimes, you know, I think the resources might surprise you of what you can go to and, and find, especially as AI gets a little more creepy and gets a little more smarter for, for that. Because I know that I've been loving it this week, but obviously, like as soon as my five-day trial was over, I... I walked away from it because it, it was valuable, but I didn't find it valuable enough to pay $50 a month subscription to. Yeah, well, that's going to be um, well, more, more to come on, mm -hmm. on all that later. Yeah, 2023 already, a lot of people have been let go. This is my story time, not a lament um, necessarily, but a lot of people have already lost their jobs, unfortunately. 
some conversations in home building organizations about future layoffs coming if sales don't improve. Other folks are also saying, hey, I'm not worried at all. Financially, my, my home building company is, uh, I think they use the word for, a fortress, <laughs> uh, financially speaking, and they have, they have no concerns. And yet, in any scenario, and I, we talked a little bit of this about the summit of like 2023, not necessarily the year to start a side hustle or go off in a different direction. Because when things get tough, people can scrutinize that and and question motives or or whether you're all in or not. Um, it was just reminded when the, all these contractors came yesterday, and one of the things was there's some wiring that kind of hangs down underneath our kitchen cabinets um, for the under cabinet lighting. And so the electrician shows up, and there's two things on his list. There's that, and there's a a, a loose light fixture in my son's room on the wall. And I was like, hey, man, because I recognized him. He'd been to our house through the course of construction, and I got to know him uh, fa- fairly well. He's like, hey, man, you, what are you here to do? I mean, I knew it was on the list, but I'm just making conversation. And he's like, oh, I'm here to you know, take a look at that under cabinet wiring issue. And I was like, oh, cool. And what about the, the light in my son's room? He's like, oh, no, they want, um, they want the general punch out guy to take care of that. I was like, okay. Well, you're the issue, like the wiring works. It's just, it hangs down. It's ugly. I think you just need a little piece of trim or some glue, like whatever. He's like, Oh, I don't, I don't do that. Then if it's just, like, I just touched the wiring and I was like, all right, well then I don't know what else you're here for. He's like, Oh man, they, they booked me for a half a day today here. So I guess like, it's like, I got And this is exactly, he goes, so how are you doing, man? Like, what's up? And meanwhile, <laughs> I'm like, I've got two calls that are going to start here soon. 10 emails waiting on me and things to do. And I, I'm not paid by the half hour increment. So I'd like to leave now. Um, and, and, but that wasn't where it stopped later. Another guy came in and, and he's the, he's the, um, window guy. And I explained to him the issue and he's like, oh no, no, that's the, that's the trim carpenter. Now all this has been explained to the builder and the builder's representative isn't there yet. So I'm having to play kind of super supervisor They did show up and, and kind of take over, which was, which was nice. But it, if you want to have a terrible 2023 adopt the position of the electrician and just look at things and be like, yeah, no, I don't do that. Like I, it just blows, it blows my mind when even there was another, um, so someone else at this guy's same company who did actually the finish work for us. He's like a supervisor slash electrician. I had been paying on the side to switch out my, my switches to put in smart switches. And one of them had acted up and I was like, well, you are an electrician and you're here and you just said you have a half day. So like, can you just, I have another smart switch. Do you want to just switch, swatch, swap that out for me real quick? And he goes, huh, well, you know, I, I'd love to, but I can't because that other guy did it. And so I can't touch his work. And I'm like, oh man. Okay. All right. Get out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> get out of my house. So just don't have that attitude. And I think that's one of the, one of the positives to, um, AI. Yes. And we'll talk more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, working as part of a team, having resources. We've talked about this before, whether it's YouTube or blog posts or um, all access uh, in, in our case with our app and, and private community to learn from and grow. There is no excuse to not be able to start helping. In fact, I talked today to someone who's a marketer who kind of like me, just like you poke your nose around and, and now they're involved in product design and pricing of of neighborhoods and starting, help starting sister companies and doing all these other things that are not technically part of most marketers job descriptions, but they're, they're chipping in and learning and expanding. And and long-term that also raises your, your value, um, personally in your career. So. Yeah. There's such a value in understanding things as a whole, even if you don't have your hand in every part of it, there's so much in home building that there's just so many moving parts at once. That's like every time you get another part added on, like an understanding of it, it helps you in your marketing role. So yeah, I definitely think there's value yeah. in that. And the the one thing I'd add to that is that's then your perspective of how all those moving parts are working. Mm-hmm. And to really go to the other level is to truly be able to put yourself in the shoes of a different person in the organization and kind of reorient like Dr. Strange like just reorient the whole universe from that person's perspective. If you're having a hard time connecting with someone else in your organization, and it's not just that they're a miserable 
son of a gun individual, then you should try that. And mm-hmm. and that's not easy to do, but that that's a great way that to help help build better teams. But you got to start by having that knowledge. Yeah, and and since it is the beginning of the year, it might be good to just put some goals down too of what you want to do differently and accomplish differently in your professional role for this year. If you're saying, obviously, don't side hustle, but it's what what can you do to basically, you know, become yeah, just hustle. I guess yeah. is what I would say. Like, like your own job. That, yeah. that brings on a whole <laughs> bunch of like, is he talking about you know bro culture or well, what? Like the, no. the amount of marketers, I I get worried when I'm like, oh, when was the last time you visited one of your communities? Oh, maybe six months ago. I'm like six months ago, like. Or even today, uh, one of our own team members, I, I had a one-on-one with her and and she's like, you know, I just, you guys mentioned two different people's name in our industry and I didn't know who those people were. I'm like, well, that, you know, you, to really go far in your career in this industry, you, you do have to, and I'm not, I can't tell you to do this. It's just something that is either naturally going to happen or not where you're like, well, I could listen to that true crime podcast or I could listen to Market Proof Marketing or I could read about gold mines in Brazil, or I could read about uh, lack of construction labor and how it's affecting prices. Like side hustle to me, like you're, you're hustling in another direction. If you're just hustling, like that's, you're, you're absorbing what you can in the industry or the field that you're obsessed with. And that, that goes all the way back to, to Myers Barnes famous, you know, saying that, Hey, you read an hour a day in your chosen profession, you're going to double your income in the first year, but it's not just hustle generally, right? It's like hustle straight ahead. All right. On to the news. First up from actually, uh, from all access, uh, we posted this about a week ago, but Microsoft is, um, essentially trying to challenge Google by integrating chat GPT within uh, Bing search. So um, we've talked about chat GPT and it's, it's all the hotness out there and everyone's using everything to, to show examples. It's, it's kind of like brand association. It's like, well, if I use AI, then I must be uh, a futurist, right? But spoiler alert, uh, if you've been doing digital advertising, you've been using artificial intelligence since almost forever, like 2007, 2008, 2009, 100%. Uh, AI was driving the effectiveness of those platforms. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft um, is kind of looking at this opportunity to say, hey, we can integrate um, ChatGPT. So when someone asks a question, they can get, just like Google, the single best answer or the answer. And how much are they willing to spend? About $10 billion dollars for that opportunity. And um, I think that's really interesting. One, because uh, a search result with one answer or the answer, not a good like advertising <laughs> uh, ad-, ad platform thing because you're getting the answer and you're going away. So I think originally Microsoft would definitely use that as just a way to draw in the masses in hopes mm-hmm. that maybe you're not looking for just the one answer search and then you use Bing or over time, maybe you use that service so much that they can start um, making you watch like a five-second pre-roll ad <laughs> while ChatGPT is doing this thing in the background. So there's there's just like business questions around that that I think are interesting. And then the other one is I, I saw someone uh, in my network ask like, also, shouldn't Microsoft have just called it the ChatGPT search? Because Bing doesn't necessarily have a good connotation either. So from from a branding perspective, it's like, well, do I want to go play the the newest video game at my grandma's house or with my friends next door? Like, I, I it, so I think there's a couple of interesting. Just I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about either one of those viewpoints, but I think it's I think <clears throat> I think it's a disruptor. I think it's something different. After playing with it, I could see why people would charge for it. And I do see the value of differentiating yourself from Google search. So, and I think that's what Bing has really struggled with is they're competing. And whenever I would use them, I'd never feel like the search results were as quality. <clears throat> so if they're offering and something- Part of that, part of that, sorry to interrupt. Part of that is that, that Google's ads are better than Bing's ads. Mm. And whether you admit it or not, you're like, oh, I never click on those ads. Uh, 
ad results do help you in your search experience currently on Google. Yeah. Often. Anyway. Yeah. So I think just offering something completely different with a different value is interesting. So for example, today I was, um, I was trying to come up with why do people want to go to Gillies in Dallas, Texas, which is where we're having our online sales summit, uh, in September of this year. Cause I was like, what's, what's the difference Google's going to show me versus chat GPT and Google goes, Oh, here's a couple little things. And then chat GPT was like, here are the five top reasons. It has this, it has this venue, people enjoy it due to this. And, and so it gave me, I think, a nice variety of responses that I wasn't anticipating, but then appreciated because I was like, oh, now I have some really good talking points versus facts. And I think that's that's the nice difference between if I'm just searching for Google, I feel like I'm getting facts. If I'm getting chat GPT, I feel like I'm getting inspired for how to creatively think about those answers, which is a little different. We'll come back to that in a little bit later on with artificial intelligence. But next up from searchenginejournal.com, what is the content marketing funnel? Move a customer smoothly along the content marketing funnel by optimizing your content at every stage. And here's what you should know. So thankfully, we've got our very own content uh, <laughs> subject matter expert here, uh, Julie. Yeah, I, I liked this article. It was an... Um a good way to kind of break down the the funnel. Our funnel we talk about is slightly different than this content marketing funnel just because of how we um how home buyers go through the process and we're looking for appointments, um you know, mm-hmm. traffic, leads, appointments, sales. So this funnel is a little bit different. Um but it is a good point that you need different content at different points in the funnel for different reasons. You know, there's the top of the funnel, which is just general awareness. There's um, middle of the funnel, interest and consideration, bottom of the funnel, which is purchase. And um, you might need different content and you may have a lot of awareness content or you might have a lot of bottom of the funnel content, but not in the middle. So we're just talking about how to take a good um, inventory of what you have, what you're good at and what you need more of. I also think in home buying, it's interesting because we have, say like a photo gallery, a content hub that gets used by different people by at different stages in the funnel for different things. So you have to think about it in multiple, like what's your main yeah. goal and how are different people using it when um, on how to set it up. So that adds another mm-hmm. layer to it. <laughs> yeah. I was on a call with a top uh, four top five national builder talking about, uh, and one of the, one of the questions that they asked, it, I was kind of listening in on, on a larger group conversation. And it was like, there's a lot of discussion about how do we get the exact right content to the right person at the right time? And they went on for a long time, 30 minutes. And then someone was like, Kevin, what do you think? I was like, I don't think we have to worry about all that. I mean, and probably not the right thing to say at that exact moment, but you know, you, to your point, Julie, you have to organize the content in a way that the customer can self-service and determine. Now you might say, or be able to say, if someone comes back on the website and you've got the, the ability to personalize it and basically be like, oh, Julie's back and she bought from a home from us three months ago. We might, we don't need to, you know, start with top of the funnel content being displayed to Julie. However, you still have to make sure it's easily accessible should Julie, for whatever reason, maybe she has a friend mm-hmm. who is interested in potentially working with that same builder and she wants to send something that's more top of the funnel appropriate to that person. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the express purpose for the content is often going to be different than the reason or the time and place that the consumer chooses to. Like, I think that's the ideal versus the reality maybe is another way to think about it and just being okay and understanding that when you're putting that content together, that it it will be used for multiple purposes. I think the mistake in kind of that realm that I see people make is they get really excited about some bottom of the funnel content they've made about energy efficiency or home buying process, or that is really cool, great content, but that's not necessarily awareness content. And then sometimes, so I think, I think the, auditing and looking at what you have, taking an inventory, um, instead of trying to get the right thing to the right person, the right time, it's just knowing kind of where that needs to be and when you need to, um, push that and what, how you need to distribute that, um, is what I see. So it's, it's a good exercise to do, but Uh 
I would say that's another thing. Even we, we've seen at the summit when we did presentations where people create these beautiful things and then we're like, well, how did you market it? Uh, it just lives on our site and someone had to go find it. It's like, well, we have to yeah. figure out ways to get it in front of people too and communicate that. And <clears throat> if there's top of funnel things, it, it's like, well, these are things to empower our sales agents to send out for you know leads that aren't necessarily responsive, but might be watching videos or it's like how yeah. to move through the process. Um, so top just, of the funnel really can be simplified. I think simplified, not completely characterized by thinking through um, common search terms and and search behaviors that consumers will be using at that time, and ads. I, I mean, I would I would argue that of all the content that is missing, the middle tends to be the most neglected. Um, it's like, hey, here's the three reasons why you should buy from this builder. Here's why we have great locations. Here's why we are awesome. Or, but a lot of that is covered in the ad itself. It's the initial prompt that gets them to you. And then they just can't get any more than surface level stuff. Or here's, you know, the 10 steps to our warranty process. But the, mm-hmm. the middle, even if there's high levels of quantity there, it's not curated well. Mm-hmm. And it's not organized uh, well. I know Carla um, is working with uh, a builder and O'Neill Interactive on a new lookbook format that's not a PDF. It's not a standalone document or app or experience. It's native to the website. But when you go to that lookbook section, it, it looks and feels like a magazine and is clearly, clearly primarily used for people at the top of the funnel and some overlap on the middle of the funnel. But I, I think that's like the same content designed and laid out differently can feel completely different for that purpose. Okay. All right. More to come on that in the form of something special from Ms. Jarnigan. <laughs> uh, CNBC.com, consumer confidence in housing finally rises thanks to falling home prices. So is that... I know, that's like, a, like, like a high in the headline and then a low in the headline. We'll take it either way. A roller coaster in that headline. But people are feeling better because prices are going down. Um, a monthly sentiment index from Fannie Mae showed sentiment improving from November to December. A lot of builders had better than expected months of sales and closings in December. The share of respondents saying now is a good time to buy a home was still low, just 21%, but it was up from 16% in October and November. More consumers now believe home prices will fall in the next 12 months, and more also said they believe mortgage rates will come down as well. But I mean, that, that goes right in line with the data we see from uh, our, our friends at Home Builder Data our own analytics that we can see on builders is that traffic uh, has improved dramatically and has actually gone past January of 2022 levels, uh, vying for 2021 supremacy of all-time high in web traffic. Conversions seems to be varied by geography. Mm-hmm. Um, on, the, on the kind of average end, of 15 to 25% improvement in conversions from the day after Christmas to early January compared to the prior period. The most that I've seen is 70%, uh, 70.4, I think was the builder we looked at yesterday, Jackie. Mm -hmm. Um, Several builders in Texas in the 60s. Uh, So conversions are returning, but not necessarily the same extent as website traffic. But they they are looking, and they're looking because people think they should be able to get a deal or at least, at least someone to respond to them. The feedback from that person who had a high rate too was saying that a lot of the leads were people who were coming back as well. So they're yes. reinvesting in making a decision, even though it will take them longer potentially to make a decision, which is kind yep. of what we've been anticipating. Um, right. I think people are, like we always guess at the start of the year, like ready to make a, a big life change and, and want to get more serious. Yeah. So are those middle of the funnel people, I, I, I started as a question, but I'm going to change it to a statement. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think they're middle of the funnel people who need a top of the funnel excuse to come back. And that's what the messaging that you're trying to work on, like when you're talking about what's new for 2023 or why Mm -hmm. you should consider, that first wave is often middle of the funnel people who need that excuse to come back and look or come back and restart or start their process. So not to make light of anything, but these people remind me a lot of like the, what is it like the five stages of grief where you go through denial and then you go through anger that like the prices are going up and interest mm-hmm. rates are high. 
and then um, acceptance, whatever it is. I think some of these people are going through those stages and we have to hold their hands as they go through. They know they should have bought earlier before all this hit. Then they're mad at us because prices are still high. But eventually, a lot of those people are going to get there. They just need some extra, extra babying. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I'm in denial that there is steps of denial. It's <laughs> a bad joke. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's the other thing we need to be aware of, though. And I've, I've talked about this before, about hitting objections head on right now is important. But I also think that understanding that people who are coming back are a little bit like people who have gone through a traumatic experience and are, mm-hmm. and are, th- are considering going back to that source of trauma. <laughs> like we tried to buy a home. We looked at it multiple times. We got told no multiple times. And so I do think one of the bigger messaging things to be thinking about right now is going back to the, we can make this process quick and easy, or at least we can get to the answer you need from us quickly. Um, brainstorming email headlines or, or email content for another builders. Like, why not just tell somebody that, Hey, we've got lots of different incentives and promotions going on right now. And if you reach out to me as an, as an OSC in 74 seconds, I can tell you whether any of these would apply to your situation, mm-hmm. or which would be best for you. Like no one wants to think I'm going to have to go back and sit down for two hours or four hours or multiple conversations to figure out if this is going to be a fit or not quick and easy. Yeah, uh, for those people who've been through trauma yep. is what they're looking for. Yeah, that was that was one of the things actually that came out of that previous article about how to approach people is um, we're, we're talking to one marketer and I was like, to me, it seems like you need a how-to guide. Like you need to refresh people on how to do this again because it might seem scary, but, and in the nicest way possible, I was like, you have to explain it like you're talking to a five-year-old and and just hold their hand with what you're telling them and and why it's a good time and use simplified language. And I think they they definitely appreciated that and and see the value in that too, because they previously had a like a promotion on their website and it, it was doing a great job at collecting leads. And then they pulled that off and they're realizing they they actually need that again, maybe in a different format, but just you need right now to show something different on your website, even if nothing is is necessarily different, but we need to re-grab those people and re-incentivize them to re-sign up on our sites. Yep. All right. Next up from 12news.com. <laughs> mm. uh, Samantha on our team found this must be from her local affiliate station uh, or someone. A non-traditional trend to buying a home is gaining momentum in the Valley. I believe this is in Phoenix actually. So maybe it came from uh, Sarah, but um Valley friends take an unconventional route by buying a home together and see success. So big old um, warning sign here on this one. Like this is, I understand. Like I remember when I, my, uh, the gentleman I was renting an apartment with, um, we're like, yeah, we should just go buy a house together. We, we actually went uh, to a couple open houses and considered doing that. But man, it's, it's a, it's fraught with danger and complexities and like anything else, it, you have to go in knowing with the open eyes, what all can happen. Because if you sign your name uh, as a co-owner of that house and the other person just decides to leave, Mm -hmm. you're stuck. Like there's, but, but really what this article highlights is affordability is so challenging. In this case, it's talking about Maricopa County, $477,000 is the average price of an existing home, um, which is 18% higher than last year. And so these young people are saying to themselves, hey, this is my only choice basically, is to look at this as if it's kind of like a rental that we can get some equity in together. Yeah, yeah think- it- go ahead, Jackie. <laughs> I was just gonna say, it definitely needs like that, that prenup aspect to it where you both come to an agreement. And I don't necessarily know if that's what agents would push first because I think so many agents might be just hungry for that deal right now that they'll be like, Oh, you can figure that out later. So that would be my concern. But I I do see it as if more younger people are already having to live in tiny apartments and two bedroom apartments and they can both afford a house. Like I can see the, the appeal to it. And in the video that is accompanied, it did talk about how it was like two people, girlfriends, um, her friends bought a house together. And then after a year or two, sold it and used that equity to buy their own individual houses. So just using it as a, a, a tool to get them 
up in step in terms of um, creating money. But again, it's it's not a guarantee. It's a it's a gamble in their future. And obviously, some people find it worth gambling or buying with um, family that is not your significant other to make that decision together. But what were we going to say, Julie? Well, I also think the stat that they put in here is a little misleading because they said the survey found that 19% of prospective home buyers plan to buy with a friend or relative in the mm-hmm. next 12 months. A lot of that, I would guess, is affordability issues and they're having to have help or a co-signer from parents or family yeah. or somebody else, which is just a reminder that when people are making home buying decisions right now, a lot of times there's some other people involved in that decision mm-hmm. who aren't living in the home because a lot of these people who can't afford right now have somebody else helping yeah. out. So it's just something to consider when you're talking to somebody that, that there may be another another opinion involved. Yeah. So like <laughs> you're, you're, you're 22 years old and you decide to buy a house with your friend, but your parents co-signed on the house mm-hmm. for you. And then your parents are like, you know what? Um, we're going to retire early. So you need to get rid of that house. And now the other person has to react to that yeah. as well. I think the other interesting thought is a lot of people have grand, um, you know, like when you're a kid, you'd meet your friend out in the backyard and be like, Hey, we're going to do this grand thing. And then 20 minutes later, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go home and eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich and you nothing, but it felt so real and, and, and emotively strong at that moment. Um, the other thing this article talks about, which, which is really smart, check with local zoning because you might say, well, in the worst case scenario, this doesn't work out. We'll just rent it as an Airbnb or we'll just do X, Y, and Z with this property. You may not be able to. Um, And again, even like, so, so definitely talk to an attorney or recommend someone talk to an attorney. If if you're in this case, because even if you have agreements on what's going to be done, when, if the other person can't perform without a separate actual contract, there may not be any recourse. Um, so even if you have a solid plan and, and they abide by it, if, if they get hit by a bus and the family members who then are in charge of their estate say, no, you deal with the house. You're the only mm-hmm. person still alive. Who's on the, on the, on the loan, you figure it out. You're, you're, it's, it's a big risk and I, yeah, it's amazing, but hopefully, hopefully builders will continue to innovate on, on other ways. Like, and, and I've seen just a ton of articles. We didn't grab one about zoom towns and their rise and how that's the answer for affordability. I feel like that's passed us a little bit. Thank you. That's why I didn't grab that article. I felt like that article should have been written last year and it kind of aggravated me because I'm like, I feel like everyone's pulling back on the idea. I, every news article is like, Oh, three days a week now in office, unless you're 60 miles plus. So I, to me, it just, it felt like a, a bad article yeah. that I didn't know. Well, so I want to talk for a second about some other crazy articles uh, that I've seen. Mm. So my this should kids be a love new YouTube. segment. Terrible yeah. articles we discussed. <laughs> Terrible articles <laughs> we chose not to talk about. Mm. I thought that, that would be fun. Um, <laughs> my kids uh, watch a lot of YouTube, educational YouTube channels, mostly like Mark Rober, et cetera. But YouTube knows what I'm searching as well. So it starts recommending these ads and all these ads and articles about how you can use AI to make like $285 a day mm. and basically just put yourself out there as a freelance expert, writer, whatever, and then just take whatever the person asks you for who doesn't realize that AI exists, plug it into Jasper or ChatGPT and write the article for them, turn it around and wham, you just collected $75 yeah. for a whole two minutes worth of work. I just, it's amazing how fast uh, the scammers and the hustlers find ways to, uh, to, to ruin everything. It's not just marketers, it's scammers and hustlers too. that ruin everything anyway. Well, and that's like, we, I like to offer, um, when people have small teams, you know, I'm, I always recommend, um, offer up, no, not offer up is that other app, the, um, Upwork. 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 Thank you. Upwork. It's completely different. And now I can see that creative writers not like just changing, creating more, um, accounts and kind of taking advantage of that. So I've, Ideally, we don't want it to be spoiled, but I can, that's also my concern with the AI stuff and, um, and where it's going. One news article I also didn't include, <clears throat> but was about how when Facebook used AI to do their targeted ads, they got their hands slapped because it was the AI didn't, didn't perform fairly. And so, um, it, it's always interesting to see how you think that certain things will be good and people will, will use it for for good. And it's like, uh, it, it just turns yeah. the wrong way very quickly. <laughs> We've teased it all episode long. We're I, still I know, not there. Fair. We're almost to the AI 360 discussion 
portion. But first, I want to just talk about two quick things. The first is the International Builders Show, which is right around the corner. Um, at doyouconvert.com, we have a blog post up. Uh, you'll see social posts around, uh, and an email will be going out shortly with all of the details. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, six and counting ways that you can uh, interact with us, with the team or, or watch um, folks like uh, Julie and Jen and Mike and I speak at different sessions. Um, so take advantage of those all between January 31st and February 2nd. The second one, uh, and this is uh, Jackie Lipinski's brilliant idea, I was just sharing with the team that um, based upon our growth and the number of builders who are asking to partner with Do You Convert, um, we need the following positions uh, in addition. So again, no one's leaving, no one's being replaced. We need a marketing analyst, a marketing strategist, a senior marketing strategist, and a marketing coach. Uh, and if you don't know what those mean, don't worry. But if you're in marketing uh, and in home building and you're going to be at the show, Jackie's like, why don't you just tell people they can? Now, this is also going to start conspiracy theories, which I love. <laughs> so now every time anyone is talking to me at the show, <gasps> are they going to go work for Do You Convert? Are they asking for a job? Are they looking? Maybe, maybe you'll never know because I won't tell. Um, but if you see me sitting individually with anyone, now you know no, that you have no idea what that means. But if you are interested in talking in more depth and you're going to be at the show, uh, definitely check that out. We'll also have links eventually uh, to those open positions so you can see the, the details there as well. But would love to talk to you. And the third thing related to the Builder Show, perhaps the best... Uh, and multiple people, uh, mostly Will Duberstadt and Steve Shoemaker, have been saying, hey, are we doing this? We're doing this, right? This happens every year. This is now a staple of my IBS experience. Uh, the Do You Convert Pancake Breakfast. Oh. Yes, it is happening. But like before, the demand is too great. So if, and this is, this is part marketing, part reality. I mean, it's all reality, but it's also part marketing. Um, if you're not part of, of all access, you will not see the dates or, or, or the time or the venue there. Um, if you're part of kind of the, the, the crew who normally attends this breakfast, you still have full availability to invite anyone else you want to who is cool. Um, but they need to be in marketing, <laughs> work for a home builder. Um, we, we, we let just a few of our, our valued partners that are long-term partners that do you convert attend as well uh, uh, from Zillow and the like. But it's not a place for anyone to sell. It's just a place to hang out, eat breakfast uh, one of the days, order a pancake, order a waffle, and I pay the bill. So, um, and, and it's at a very, we've been to this venue before. Fantastic. Lots of space. Uh, this last one in Orlando was kind of a dud on the food. This, this one is going to be fantastic. So look for that those details in all access and we'll post reminders on the social channels for those of you um, who don't go in there as regularly, but that's, and I think, I think you mentioned Kevin, that if you get a waffle, you do have to pay for your own breakfast. <laughs> no, I pay for waffles too. Uh, okay. It's like, it's like, um, amnesty day or whatever. It's like any, anyone <laughs> and anyone, we all just hang out and talk, talk marketing. Um, and one of my favorite things is every year someone is like, Oh yeah, I met that person at the, at the breakfast thing. Mm -hmm. So also a reminder, National OSC Day is coming up on February 9th. Get ready for that. We talked about that with Jen in the last episode. So we are finally here. We are ready for the 360 discussion of the quarter. I don't know. We, we used to do this all the time. And now there's so much to talk about. We don't often take just one uh, episode to talk about something in more depth. But um, AI and its role in 2023. So to be as... Um, Meta as possible here. I asked ChatGPT what were the top five reasons that marketers should use AI tools and what were the top five reasons marketers should not use AI tools. And it's a pretty good way for us to talk around this. So I'll just list them out uh, one by one and you two can react and I'll, I'll chime in here and there too. Top five reasons that marketers should use AI tools. Number one, increased efficiency. They can automate repetitive tasks, answer frequently asked questions, and allow marketers to focus on more strategic tasks. We agree? We agree. I, I agree. That's I think, especially as teams need, sometimes you just need something for 30 minutes or a little tiny article written or a description rewritten. I think that mm -hmm. is the benefit of making yourself more efficient at your own job when you do use the tools correctly. Uh, number two, 
Improved personalization. AI can analyze consumer data and provide personalized recommendations, helping to create more meaningful connections with potential buyers. Mm, maybe. It, yeah, it depends how it's used. I don't. I don't think a. I don't think AI is ever going to be as good as a human at helping somebody figure out what home, what floor plan, what area. That like I'm going to perform uh, the clairvoyant task as as an AI would. Um, so, so Julie, just tell me that you're looking for like one of your main motivators. Tell me you want a new home because you need a new kitchen. Okay. Just for role playing now. Okay. I need a new home because I'm, what's that? What are you looking for in a new home? Oh, I'm looking for a, um, better kitchen for me because I love to bake. Awesome. Now, (laughs) Julie, do you, are are you interested in, um, a, a lighter kitchen? In terms of color and finishes, like white, white creams, or are you more of a dark cabinet uh, individual? Um, light, I would say. Okay. So like, we don't need AI for that. Mm-hmm. Like, anytime people talk about AI analyzing trends or popular things, it's like we all, okay, yeah. yeah. Have you seen HGTV? Have you seen any magazine? Like we, we kind of know what, the, now the the more avant-garde, like the people who are willing to wear a trash bag outside and say that that's the new fashion, those people, when they go for looking for a house, they don't want what everyone else has and they want, you know, blue, green cabinets. Um, They'll have gone wild. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. But also an AI is not going to do a good job unless that has data available about that specific person. And here's the big problem. Whoa, there goes my coffee cup. Um, that's the big problem. That was true like awesome dramatic effect there. <laughs> the big problem is that in, in every platform that I've seen so far, there's not a good way for the customer to downvote or downrate what they do not like. <laughs> and so if the data points you're analyzing are just where the consumer is spending their time or what they're looking at, that is not going to be a great predictor overall of what they actually need or want or what they purchase. Um, because we, again, we, we don't know why they're looking at something. And oftentimes at the beginning of a search, consumers are drawn towards the most visually appealing, most exciting things that may be way out of their budget and they don't know it yet, yeah. or they're just dreaming or they're absorbing as much information as possible, meaning they're clicking on everything in order to inform themselves. So that one's a little bit tough, but I, I, I can see now here, here's the flip of this. If in your CRM system, you had 10 points of history and notes and interactivity, and you were thinking to yourself, how could I craft a more personalized contextual message back to continue this process? The a- an AI system would be able to maybe identify something, a question or two that you haven't asked before, or something that that person might be highly likely to want to continue the conversation about. So in, in that sense, yes, I just don't know about advertising marketing as much. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it's something like a book recommendation where it's like, all right, which of these books did you like? Okay, okay, where which one of these do you like? And then it kind of guides you to a specific home. But I've seen builders already have that on their website as a like a flow chart of finding yeah. your your perfect house. But yeah, I think there is opportunity, but it's we're, we're definitely a little little far from that. Yeah, and I I did ask um, three different AI tools um, the same question about two very different things, but half of the question was the same. And all three basically gave me the same answer every time I asked the question, even though it should have been wildly different for the second time I asked the question. Uh, Number three, better lead generation. Again, this is the top five reasons that AI thinks AI should be used. Better lead generation. AI can help identify and qualify leads, increasing the chance of converting them into buyers. Maybe. I mean, Facebook AI helps us do some targeting mm-hmm. and convert leads. So, so yes, in certain, in certain ways, yes. Yeah. I think the identify part, I completely agree with. The qualify part is the maybe yeah. to me. Um, because again, we, we only know what people are willing to share. Mm-hmm. And that's the other reason I really think the system, or we've talked before about um, packaging up multiple things of high value to, to, to gates so that we can start listening better. So again, gating is not about getting leads, everyone. If you've ever heard anyone say that's the reason 
why we talk about that. It's not getting leads. It's be able to listen better, to be able to get the data uh, and to get the data without having to pay another service to get the data either. So I, I, identifying, I think, makes sense. Qualifying, yeah. difficult. But let me go back to one other example on the qualifying part. It would be really helpful if consumers would answer questions like, are you only interested in a, in a brand new home that you design and build yourself? Or are you interested in an existing home? Pick one. And it would be great if life was like a decision tree where they would just pick the one and forever and eternity that other thing would get wiped off the map. But most consumers going through this process get really frustrated when you ask them to make that kind of commitment. They don't want to let go of potential other opportunities. They don't want to just say that's completely off the board. Now, how they would interact and answer that question to a human is also different than a system. And I just want to take a second to kind of walk through that. Like um, the idea of asking a question at the end of every email, like a micro survey of a marketing. So, you, you know, they're a lead. They've been a lead before. And at the bottom of an email, you would say, hey, in order for us to serve you better, which are you most interested in? A mm. brand new home or existing inventory home? And we can personalize what we send you and how we send it to you and all that. Well, if they think that a human being is asking them to make the decision, subconsciously or consciously, you are thinking this is going to be a pain in the butt if you change your mind. Because now if I tell Jackie that I only want to look at new homes and I'm not interested in inventory and I change my mind, I'm like, well, this is going to suck because I'm going to have to email her or call her, somehow connect with her and say, hey, never mind, we're interested in both again and I maybe look stupid and she's annoyed. And whereas a system or just you know, giving the control to the consumer to say toggle on or off what you want and, and remember that recommendation. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I, it's no different than me going to any e-commerce site and filtering a search and then knowing full well that I can start over anytime I want to. I still have that control and that power. Um, so we just don't, we don't know currently enough to qualify well, no matter what anybody says, identify and kind of lead to the top. I think that's what lead scoring really should be used for anyway. Lead scoring should never be saying these people are worth your time. It's just in order of priority. Uh, if you've done all of the tasks you need to do as an online salesperson, here's the next person up to spend that's worth spending extra time with. Number four, enhanced decision-making. AI can provide insights and data-driven recommendations for marketing campaigns, helping to make more informed decisions. <laughs> I don't trust it no. <laughs> because we've already, we've already been down this road before. Um, like why are they recommend? Is it really in my best interest? Where did this data come from? So I don't trust it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and does, does the A have the full understanding of exactly what you're looking for mm -hmm. and, and how it would likely occur so that the AI has to understand the full customer journey has to understand what you're asking it to do for sure. Like not just get more traffic, not get clicks, not get leads for leads sake, right? It has to fully understand what it is you're trying to do. Again, um, Power BI has some great, uh, for Microsoft has some great auto AI recommendations. And what I really like about how Power BI functions is it just, it's like little tool tips. Like, did you know this? And it'll show you potential connections or highly correlative connections between things that you might not know. But it still re relies upon the human to say, so what do I do with that data? It doesn't pretend like mm -hmm. it knows. So you should just click this button and auto-apply recommendations, to yeah. your point, Julie, mm -hmm. uh, of what the AI is suggesting. 24-7 availability. Well, now the spiciest one is saved for last. AI-powered chatbots can provide around-the-clock customer service, allowing potential buyers to get the information they need at any time. I agree with the first part. Obviously, being there around the clock, but sometimes, like we're saying, it just needs that, that personalized answer of what exactly they're looking for. Because we've seen enough builders have chatbots that just send you in a circle and get... Yeah. It gets incredibly frustrating. Um, but I think that first initial like, hey, we're not here, but what, let's see if we can answer your problem. Okay, let, now we'll contact you in the morning or if we can, you know, if we need to dive deeper with a person. So it's it's not there yet is what I would say. What about you, Julie? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be my, wouldn't be my go-to solution. I feel like um, your if, if you're thinking of like a bigger builder website, it should be 
user-friendly enough, user experience enough for them to get around and do some of that without a chatbot. So instead of thinking of a chatbot solving that problem, maybe your website needs to be more user-friendly where they can navigate that themselves mm-hmm. and then a person respond to them in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's not to say that a chat GPT style powered search right on the homepage would be a terrible idea. But I, I think what just kind of bugs me about anyone who tries to oversimplify something is like no one wants a chat bot. They want a solution. They want service. Um, now, remove the word chat too and I get more excited. If we're just talking about bots generally, like I, I know people generally hated Clippy, the, the little guy from, from Microsoft Office back in the late 90s, early 2000s. But yeah. imagine if instead of a chatbot that said, hey, can I promise you things that I can't deliver? Interact with me, please. Wouldn't it be more interesting if there was just a bot that said, hey, if you give me permission, I will follow you along on your journey and make re- relevant recommendations and suggestions on content that you might find interesting. So if it was like a Genie Plus service from Disney that was like, hey, we're just going to see what you're doing. And as, as we, and we're going to provide feedback and suggestions so you don't miss anything and, and maybe answer frequently asked questions related to content you're viewing. And again, full control of minimizing, hiding, saying, no, you can't track me. Yes, you can. But I just don't think chat generally speaking is, is where our focus should be. Chat meaning type into a little box yeah. with either a fake human or a real human yeah. as a primary f- source of, of getting the answers you need in, I know it's a trope and it's, everyone says it the most expensive purchasing decision that most people ever make in their life. But yeah, do I, I don't want to do that the same way that I order pizza. Mm-hmm. I just don't or shoes or anything. All right. Top five reasons marketers should not use AI tools as written by AI. Number one, lack of human touch. AI tools can lack the empathy and emotional intelligence of human interactions, which can be important in building trust and creating a positive customer experience. Yep. So a lack of empathy and emotional intelligence of human interactions. That just reminds me of yelling into the phone going human every time I'm trying to get back <laughs> robot of customer service. So I agree. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And and potentially in fatal, like sales killing forms, like Someone, for, I mean, again, most people might not do this. Hey, I just got divorced and I need a, a great place to live that has a good school district blah, 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 for my kids. And if the AI says something about like, I'm excited you're considering a brand new home. You know, it just doesn't, it's going to, it could potentially mm-hmm. just kill the whole, whole mood. Number two, limiting, limited understanding of context. AI can struggle with understanding the nuances and subtleties of language, making it difficult to handle more complex or nuanced interactions. My experience using AI systems uh, intensively for the last six months, somewhat over the last 10 years, is this is a thousand percent accurate. And if you don't think there's a bunch of nuances in our industry and the types of products we sell, like a kitchen island is not a kitchen island, is not a kitchen island. There are multiple forms of kitchen islands, there's multiple sizes, there's multiple materials, there's multiple heights, you know, there overhangs. Like, and yeah, I just think nuances and subtlety. But that, that and that's where we've said before, um, I think last time you were on, Julie, like you have to think like an editor. And hopefully you're skilled at doing that when you're using AI, because if you just take what it gives you or you just put it out in the world, it's, it's, it's going to mess up a lot. Like the number of times that it thought that, uh, do you convert wrote software? Like mm. we were a software company that provided targeting solutions for sales and marketing. When I said, you know, analyze this site and talk about what it's, what, you know, it, it doesn't understand that risk of bias is what you were talking about before, Jack. Yep. Number three, mm-hmm. AI is only as unbiased as the data it is trained on. If the data is biased, and all of the data in your home building organization is biased because it says that you're the best builder to build from and you are in your be- all, all the best locations and you offer the best options. <laughs> so anything that you create is biased towards you. Uh, the AI will also be biased. This can lead to unfair or discriminatory outcomes, which could mean big fine as well. Mm-hmm. Number four, dependence on data quality. 
AI tools rely heavily on accurate and relevant data. So if the data is poor, this is the point I was making earlier uh, about we don't have enough truly good data from the consumer. Uh, if the data is poor, the AI's performance will also be poor. And last but not least, and this one kind of surprised me that AI would suggest this as a reason not to use AI, high cost. AI-based tools can require a significant investment, which may not be feasible for some new home industry marketers or may not provide a good return on investment. That, I, your story time kind of correlated that. You're like, eh, $50 a month. I'm not going to need Jasper as much as, yeah. as that cost is. But when you consider outsourcing regular writing content to someone outside your organization, uh, now I think the cost, here, here's the thing also about AI generally. Everyone will have access, just like for the last year, only certain people have had access to use, in, use and interact with the different iterations of ChatGPT, and now everyone can, currently for free, as long as you're not trying to use it too much. It will get more expensive the more specialized it is. So mm -hmm. maybe in that sense, AI is correctly predicting the future of AI in that the high cost of an industry-specific AI that's used for a specific purpose that could potentially replace or augment the positions of, of human beings the cost there could could grow exponentially pretty quickly, I think. Real quick then to round out, and, and I'll work on a blog post or, or do, someone at Deconvert will, will work on a blog post uh, around this, but um, just a couple of the different places and tools that you might want to try if you haven't yet. Of course, we've already talked about ChatGPT from OpenAI. That is a free test that you can sign up for. Um, Dolly is the image uh, generation tool. They also have a new image generation tool that allows you to just kind of scrub out parts of the image and have it regenerate what you want in, in that place. So it's kind of giving the chisel and the artist brush back to the artist a little bit more in that sense, which is interesting. Um, Drift is a, is a chat tool. Uh, Drift and Intercom both use artificial intelligence as part of uh, their service. Um, Descript is a video editing, um, uh, podcast editing, uh, like editing tool that uses AI to replace words that were never spoken or to, to remove words or add words that were never spoken in the speaker's voices using AI. Uh, you've got House Canary, uh, you know, Z Zillow's search is powered by um, AI. Um, what else? Marketo, Pardot, our marketing automation platforms. You've got um, Optimizely, SEM Rush uh, uses AI. Jasper. Um, Jasper, Jasper can write about. the article on. <laughs> yeah. We should make it. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. I think there's some more, but that's a good starting point. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I think the most prolific thing that people are saying, which would be interesting if it comes true, is that this year in 2023, there will be a major motion picture that is both written by AI, um, storyboarded, sketched out by AI, and then filmed or animated by AI uh, entirely. In fact, it, I think one of the first searches that was uh, done with the latest version of ChatGPT was write the next like $100 million blockbuster movie script. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh. I saw one that was like the let AI write a Hallmark movie and it was pretty, oh. it was funny. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I bet. Mm -hmm. um, Mid Journey AI is another one that I've played around with that uh, for um, like I, I made some members of our team's uh, superheroes oh, funny. for mm -hmm. our, our company Christmas party. It made yeah, a terrible post, version of me. I you said, should post some of those. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll put I'll put it in all access. Okay, as part of our, our write up on the different uh, things. So that takes us to favorites. What are your favorite things in the world right now, uh, Jackie? Let's start with you. Um, audiobooks. Just audible, being able to just listen to books. I love my son so much, but just putting my hair down and putting headphones in, listening to podcasts and books. So um, I would just say the the ability to not have to sit down to read anymore is my all-time favorite thing. And uh, last year I read 33 books. This year I'm challenging myself to read 50 books. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Audibles count though, you're saying? Audibles always count. Okay. All right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. Julie, how about you? Um, my favorite thing is that it's Mardi Gras season. It's carnival season in Louisiana. So it's not just that Tuesday is not till February, but after King's Day is when everybody starts putting up their decorations and you can start eating King's cakes, King cakes, and then the parades start. So it's fun down here at this time of year. 
I have two favorites this week. The first is uh, skilled humans are my favorite because humans are the best when they have the skills to help you solve a problem. Uh, they still can't move the physical world yet with AI. And um, my second favorite thing is getting into discussions with with people who like to use fancy buzzwords and then watching them like not really understand at all what they're saying. <laughs> that's, that's, that's terrible and mean, but I do, I do love it. I don't do it very often because it's not, it, it, it's just entertainment, right? It's not benefiting me any, and I don't, I don't do it in a mean way, but I'll just hop on with somebody who um, is in my DMs and they're talking all the buzzword language. And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's talk about this and how it might apply. And then we talk and I'm like, Ooh, back what you were saying, Julie, like they have no context. Mm-hmm no context at all. And that's just entertaining because if nothing else, it helps you realize that you, you maybe do understand more than you give yourself credit for understanding or, or after 20 years, maybe you do pick up a thing or two that that's relevant. Um, all right. This week's question of the week, are you going to the builder show? And this will also be helpful so we can, we can cross tabulate who is going to the show, uh, which in all access, you can mark yourself as attending that way you can um, have a direct access way to chat with other people while you're at the show and say, hey, where are you? Where are you? If you don't have their personal content information, but it'll also let us cross-reference that list with who is coming to breakfast at the uh, secret pancake spot. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to become a member for free at DYC's All Access, uh, our community app for home builders and developers. Watch behind the scenes videos from podcasts, frequently uh, exclusive postings and, anal- and analysis from DYC team, access to private hangouts and more. That's why I don't do it all the time. <laughs> so I make it look easy, but it isn't. You do. Right? Yeah, it's not easy. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Market Proof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peake, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.